the Almost Good Podcast, hosted by David James Keaton and J. David Osborne. Anybody can watch a good movie, but to watch an almost good movie, well, it takes a professional. Two professionals. Do the I'm gonna do the overlapping the overlapping radio voice. The, hey, you gotta kind of step step on each other's lines. Like Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Gonna... Oh, oh, well. So hey, uh, this is the first episode of the Almost Good Podcast, the podcast where me JDO and David James Keaton, DJK, uh, talk about movies and shit. So welcome, uh, man. Hope you guys like movies, right? Yeah, that's all that's left. That's all we have. That's the only thing that makes any sense to me. I was thinking about it today, and I was on Facebook, and I well, Facebook is just basically a rage generator now. Uh, so whenever I go on it, I find something new to be upset about. And I was on it today, and I was realizing like most writers, like they don't really talk about books that they're reading. You know, it's not like oh, I just picked up this great novel, and it totally you know changed my life. It's all like I just saw. And people always see shit on Netflix before I do. Like Altered Carbon came out three days ago, and. I'd post I don't know what that is. Altered Carbon? Okay. I'll, well, I'll explain it to you. But first, like, it came out like three days ago, and I watched the first two episodes. And, like, in my comments, people have watched the entire series already. <laughs> <laughs> but, They're like, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It's not It's not great 10 hours later. Absorb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I just wonder, because I know people like Jed Ayers watch, like his job makes it so that he can actually watch movies in the background while he's doing his job. So it makes sense that at the end of a month, he has a list of, you know, 85 films that he's watched because he doesn't have anything else to do, basically. Um, yeah, I've, I've been trying to watch them at home, but I've um, my amp blew out, so I can't watch them with any degree of quality. So... It makes me not want to watch stuff that I like because I want to watch it really good, make it want to look really nice. And so I've been adventuring out to the theater, but that's that's been a real fiasco. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. No, no, that's actually. You know what? This is actually this is a really good for the first episode of, of almost good. Just for people who haven't heard our um, our chats on. You know what's weird is that I just now started recording this, and there's never police sirens in my neighborhood. And as soon as I started. Uh, apparently somebody has murdered somebody else, but, <laughs> but actually no, but that's a really good way to start this podcast for people who don't know us. Maybe it's kind of a good idea to kind of give introductions. And I think a good introduction for you, uh, would be to tell this story about, uh, you and oh, Andy geez. going to see, uh, what was it? Was it shape of water? Well, it was originally going to be, um, she was going to go see the Winchester movie, which is supposed to be terrible, but she's actually writing a book on it. And uh, she's doing legitimate research, not the half-ass fake research that, you know, scare quotes writers do, <laughs> but she's yeah, doing yeah. a, she's doing like an academic book on the Winchester house and the rhetoric of the architecture or whatever. So she has to go see it. Um, that's, that's where our, our night started, but uh um, it all it all went to shit because I went out the door. You know, I went outside, and that was a big, big mistake. And um, yeah, I mean, like I was telling you the other day, you know, this dude was just fucking with us. He uh, started yelling, and I mean, I, to paint the picture, it's it's not even going to be that interesting. But I pulled into the into the parking lot, and it was still a road. You know, it's a road next to a parking lot and it's um it's next to a bunch of strip molly kind of shitty restaurants like vw3s and stuff and this this fucking dude had a pizza box or a takeout box in his hand and he was starting to cross the street and so i moved my car to the left so that i would go around him and um a car was coming towards me and i'm still on a normal road it's not the parking lot yet so the car's coming towards me in the lane that I'm sort of, you know, creeping into to go around this guy. So I was like, oh, so I, so I go back to the normal lane and figure, you know, he's a human being. He'll figure it out. He's, he's the one in the road. And uh, as soon as I did that, um, 
I heard him yell something and I couldn't hear quite what he said. And I thought, I bet he said something. So I slowed down a bit. And then I could hear plain as day. He's like, yeah, just drive anywhere, buddy. Oh, my God, dude, I did. All of this is because of you. This was me trying to save your life. You know, like you saw me moving my car because I was avoiding you. And now I have to go back because, you know, not not everybody can avoid you. And so I slowed way down and he's on the left side. Now he's by the driver's side door. And I and I said, what was your question? And he goes, yeah, just pick any lane, asshole. And I said, uh, I had to move over because you, and I started to explain what I was explaining to you, which was probably excruciating. I can understand. <laughs> and he goes, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> halfway through my, halfway through, through my like play by play. I want to get like a PowerPoint. Dude, out. You got, like, you got so exactly fucking roasted. Right. He roasted the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. I just, I started to, I pulled down the projector, you know, like, okay, this is why it happened. And this is why this was for your own good. He's like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he said that. And I just, uh, my fucking blood pressure spiked. And I said, don't walk in the road, fuck face. Or no, I said, uh, I said, you stupid fuck. Don't walk in the road. And then any, you know, all, all discourse plummeted then. And he goes, I'll fucking kick your fucking ass, bitch. <laughs> And Amy's like, just go, just go. And I'm just sitting there and now I'm in the road and now I am causing traffic issues. He goes, I'll kick your fucking ass, you little bitch. That's another thing. He kept calling me a little bitch over and over again, which makes me think I shouldn't wear those glasses because I had my nice glasses on because I was going out. (laughs) So I had my chunky glasses. Are they, are they rounded or or what? No, they're like, they're like, uh, the, the matte plastic lenses that, uh, Gabino makes fun of all the time. Oh yeah. yeah, They're. They're like my hipster glasses rather than my mad scientist glasses. And that's my only explanation is maybe they made my head look smaller. I kind of have a stupid little head, but he's like, you little bitch. He just keeps calling me a little bitch. And so I finally said, you know, the, I, I was just like, okay, wait here. I'm going to come back and beat your fucking face. in." And Amy goes, take us to the park, take us and park the car and shut up and let's just go in. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fine. That's fine. And, but by the time i found a parking spot i'd already thought of every possible variation of what could happen right. and i felt like i was pretty good hands getting out and confronting him like he didn't look like he didn't um he didn't look that he, he looked like somebody who would try to start a fight but i, I didn't wasn't sure if he'd actually been in a fight before he was he's a pretty big guy you know he looks like these fucking dudes that like these man cave dudes you know he looked yeah. like a kind of a biker looking fuck face so, so kind of like the yeah, guy, but, the kind of guy who would have like a poster of the Dos Equis, most interesting man in the world on their wall. A little older than he should have been calling somebody a little bitch over right, and over again. Right. But still the kind of guy who fancies himself a tough guy. In his prime, he, and, he definitely had frosted tips like 10 years ago. Uh, my, my man had frosted tips. Uh, but so by the time I parked the car, um, Amy's convinced we're not going to do anything. My, my wife, for those of you tuning in for the first time, the long suffering Amy Luke is, uh, she's convinced this whole embarrassing thing is over with. And so she's like, all right, you ready? Let's go. Let's go. And so we open the car and she goes one way and I went the other way. <laughs> and so she's, she's about five cars up and I'm going back towards this guy. Cause I see, I see him like doing the, he's like doing this ostrich neck thing at the other end of the parking lot. Like, where did he go? Um, and then he sees me coming from about, you know, five rows away and, and it starts up again he's like you little fucking bitch i'm gonna kick your ass you little bitch yeah and then i'm sounding even it's like a battle of mental patience i'm just like i can't wait to fucking kill you dude <laughs> i'm <laughs> so so now amy's coming up behind me and uh he, he, we just he comes up and he, then he he hesitates and that's when i knew that it, it wasn't going to be anything like he takes a couple steps forward and then he stops and then he totally reassessed everything. I don't know if because I, I had like a like half a foot on him. I was taller yeah, than him. Yeah, you're you're pretty big. I mean, overall, you're just a pretty big dude. Maybe I look weak in a car. I should test that because I've had a lot of road rage incidents. Well, okay, like, so here's here's the thing. You you're a really big dude with a really like dumb looking face. <laughs> <laughs> like, that he thought was gonna cut he thought my face was gonna float over on a balloon. <laughs> Because he hated my face. He hated it. And then, 
So I come over there, and I, like I said, I thought I was going out for a nice dinner and a movie. I thought I was on a date, so I had my fucking cardigan on, but I had it rolled up, so I was I was flexing a little bit. Yeah. So he says, he he says to me, "Fuck you, you little fucking bitch." He's still doing the little bitch stuff, but he's not saying he's gonna kick my ass anymore. So I get up to him, like, you know, within inches of him, and I'm like, "I'm here for you to kick my fucking ass. Do something about it." And he's like, "I can't. I'll go to jail," <laughs> <laughs> which is. The universal sign of cowardice, right? right. That means he's not going to do a fucking thing. Right. So, because I don't know how you know, I, I, I also I don't know what people think the police actually do, but a fight in a movie theater parking lot is is very easily dispersed. You know, like you can get away before anything. But yeah, San Jose is a little it's a little rowdy there because, like I was saying, to Amy, well, Amy said later she's like. You know why we don't go to the theater at Mercado anymore? And I'm like, why? I don't I don't remember why we did that. And she's like, because we said there were too many fights in the parking lot. <laughs> I'd totally forgotten. <laughs> went there and there was some people screaming at each other. And we thought, this is this place is fucking garbage. We're gonna go somewhere else so nobody fucks with my 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 sweet Ford Escort, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it just uh it escalated so fast. And then once it once I realized he wasn't going to do anything, by this time Amy is caught up with me and she's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And But I I kind of peacocked up a little bit because I knew he wasn't going to do you anything. Sensed, you sensed dominance, basically. I sensed that I had won and he uh, and all these people were getting their phones out because it's crowded. People are going into a movie. And they had heard the whole thing, like, I think they heard where it started and they were just waiting to see what was going to happen yeah. because like I was saying to you, it was black mirror. Everybody had their phones pointed at me. And normally I think I, I can get my ass kicked and I'll have somebody, you know, that just means your girlfriend or wife will be nice to you for a long time because they'll feel sorry for you. I have no problem getting my ass kicked, but I don't know if I'd want to have it recorded. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, start, I started to perform a little bit with my, I started to like lecture him. Like how how stupid he was and how like he's a fucking coward and it was all this it was it was actually kind of embarrassing I I hope there's no video of it but it's, it's on somebody's phone this oh, whole man. Con- if if just on the off chance that that video does exist I would please send that in just please you're, you're just gonna see me like it's kind of like the tide going in and out an ebb and flow of me being reasonable and then like generations of white trash rising up and coming out my mouth like vomit like listen you can't two lanes and it, there's a problem with you walking across the street and i will fucking kill you <laughs> how did the movie go after that confrontation so post-confrontation he yeah like the guy completely backed down and i said a bunch of stupid shit until i ran out of stuff to say and then she pulled me away and uh as we walked in she's like it's kind of dawning on her that she that i'm a piece of shit and she didn't realize this before (laughs) like uh she's heard about these things but never actually well she did see one incident and luckily this one will overshadow that because that one was really embarrassing Mm. mad at the neighbor and (laughs) was it about was it about the leaf blow or the parking or what yeah it was about the the guy was cutting grass and he I remember was shooting when I stayed, rocks. I remember when What's I that? stayed at your place. I remember staying at your place and waking up to the sound of the leaf blower. And I walked into the living room and you were just pacing back and forth. Just like this fucking leaf blower. <laughs> I just don't understand why they're even allowed in California. I mean, I thought, but, but yeah, so, we went to see a different movie. That that fucked us up so much that we we bought tickets to see uh, what was showing at that moment. I don't know if we entered a time loop, but I think we missed the the beginning of Winchester because of this incident. So we went to see The Shape of Water instead. But uh, confession time, I bought – we actually bought tickets to um, uh, Phantom Thread. Mm. which was playing afterwards, and we thought we're going to do the movie hop. Right. Because at this point, we felt like we might as well – I don't know. We were we were down the rabbit hole of of uh, of being pieces of shit. We're in parking lot arguments. Let's sneak into a movie. You should you have know? just like done the hat trick and gotten a fucking water cup and filled it up with Coke. <laughs> but so, okay, yeah, so, so sh- Shape of Water. water. Uh, okay, so we'll actually now. This is the very first. This is a this is a momentous occasion. This is our very first movie review on the Almost oh. Good podcast. So Shape of Water, giant piece of shit.
Shape of Water, I will say, I won't go that far. I will say that it's it's a kid's movie. It's an R-rated Disney film. Let me call it that. You're looking at a you're watching a Disney movie, so it has all the it has all the intensity and engagement of a fucking Disney movie. So it's you might like that. People might like that sort of superficial emotion. Mm-hmm. But for a movie where a woman fucks a fucking lizard or whatever, it sure it sure didn't it didn't earn the right to have that interspecies romance. Like yeah. it wasn't. First it of all, the creature is clearly a, clearly a fish. Clearly a fish. Not yeah. A <laughs> <laughs> well, I only say I only say that because somebody in the back said while we were watching the movie, I stole I stole his thunder. There was only um, there wasn't a whole lot of people there, but somebody in the back when it started to look like she was gonna fuck that thing, I heard somebody go, "Man, if she fucks that lizard." <laughs> I had a movie talker in Shape of Water when I went to go. I went to go see it at the Alamo Draft House in El Paso. Here, I actually had a quick Dave moment, but it actually seemed to work because um, I get my whole thing. My movie thing is people talking during movies, just uh, in general. I, I fucking I lose it. Like I went to go see Blade of the Immortal, and uh, the Alamo Draft House allows you to snitch on people who are talking. And so before the movie starts, they play this ad that says, if you talk, you will be removed from the theater. You get like one warning. And then after that, you have to leave. Um, And then the movie starts and it's like these two fucking jackasses in the front row. Take that as a challenge. Like, oh, really? You're going to kick us out? So they're Uh. literally talking through the first five minutes and I'm sitting there seething. And Rios knows. So, you know, she's like patting my leg and stuff, but I can't. I can't let it go. I can't watch the fucking movie. And it's not even so much that it's like that it's talking. Because I've sat next to people before who've talked through a whole movie and it didn't bother me. But it was because their talking was more absent-minded, innocent talking. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. look at that. Or, you know. Uh, oh, that's the worst. What's... When they just when they just comment on things they're seeing on the screen. No, that's no, the worst. The, no, the worst is when people are deliberately talking and there's uh, a movie going on, and they're carrying on an entire fucking conversation, uh, of like back and forth, and laughing, like laughing at each other, like <laughs> like something will be happening in the movie. It's Blade of the Immortal, so you know he's cutting people up, and blood is flying everywhere, and they're probably sitting there like, "Oh, look at who's cutting them up, huh?" And the other one's like, "Oh man, I'm so, so fucking dumb shit." Um, and so I, I, I 100% snitched on them, like ASAP. I put my little card up. And it said on the note, it said dudes in the front row won't stop talking. And I saw this, this kid walk over to him and give him a chat and they were quiet for the rest of the movie. So I love that shit. So in shape of water, that was the second movie I was going to see at the Alamo. And I go there and, uh, basically when Michael Shannon walks out of that uh, room with his finger missing, there's this guy behind me. He goes, Oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. Like he's riding a fucking roller coaster. You know what I mean? Whenever the tension starts ratcheting up in a film, he's a whoa. And, and I can hear his his poor, his poor, poor wife, who's probably had to deal with this for, because they're easily in their late 50s. Um, she's like, shh, please, please be quiet. And then it's just one of those things where she'll be like, she was jacking off in the you know tub or whatever, and he's like, "Whoop, there she goes!" You know, just this running color commentary. And so That's finally, hilarious. when he was like, "Whoa, whoa," I turn around and I'm like, "Please shut the fuck up." <laughs> and then he doesn't say anything, and I hear his wife go, "Seriously, honey, you really need to shut up, please." And is, it worked. Yeah. It went 100. It totally worked. He that fell. Shit he, works, fell dude. he fell asleep like 10 minutes later. So I think that I think that talking was the only way for him to stay awake during him. Stay engaged. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I'm thinking back. I think that we were probably mistaken for one of the talking people because Amy talked through the, like the first 15 minutes, basically telling me how ashamed she was of the incident in the parking lot <laughs> and how she didn't want to. She wasn't going to go anywhere with me if that's going to happen and. She couldn't believe that that actually happened. And, and I think she might have said that through the bathtub masturbation. Oh, yeah. That she was like, she was like, no, seriously, does how often does this kind of thing happen? And and like I like I was telling you the other day, it happens a lot. It, the road rage stuff happens to everybody a lot. And I feel like um, 
I feel like I, I'm living a lie if she doesn't know that that is going to constantly happen anytime I leave the house. Yeah. And it's only going to get worse, just like you describing these guys talking. To the, that's going to get fucking worse and worse and worse. And uh, eventually, I just won't be able to go see a movie in a theater. There's been an incident happen, has happened every time I've gone to see a movie for the past fucking uh, past like five movies. Although, the, to be fair, when I went to see um, whatever movie I went to see with my sister, um, was it I, Tanya? Anyway, she had to tell somebody to shut up. And it was it was a weird, like almost like a nervous tick where the woman just sort of kept making happy noises. Like, <laughs> and, and my sister finally had to say, will you please be quiet? And then, because she wanted to do it so bad, she was doing it through her lips, like, mm, mm. <laughs> I, <laughs> so just don't, I just don't understand it, but there's clearly a pathology here of, of it being an actual sickness. Yeah, my, like my problem is, is that I always, I always think that people who are doing that are just assholes who don't give a shit about anybody else. But now that I think about it, it might be a fucking... Like there might be something in like the DSM four or something that <laughs> compulsive movie talker, like a movie comes on and they have to participate. I blame, uh, I blame MST three K. I used to have oh. friends who would be, dude, let's go to the movies and totally MST three K it, and that basically just meant going to like Attack of the Clones and calling uh, Anakin Skywalker gay. Yeah, that's I, I can't imagine that ever happened. I mean the. I couldn't get people to go see movies with me in high school. I, is that a thing now? Can you actually get people to go see a movie with you? I, it was impossible for me to do that in high school. And, I lived and, in a small town Oklahoma, so it was 100% possible. So that sounds like a sweet place to go see a movie. <laughs> I mean, and the problem with the with the 80s is, you know, we, we had to settle for whatever was showing. So, you know, we couldn't. We didn't have uh, this constant flow of media coming from Netflix or our phones or whatever. If whatever was shown at the Woodville Mall and there'd be one movie, mm. that's the movie we you'd have to go see. And um, for some people that don't like movies at all or don't, it's not on their radar. They're not they're not going to bother doing it. And that meant that I would have to drag people to anything yeah. just to, you know, I'd luck out hey, bro, and I find. You want to go see Kramer versus Kramer? <laughs> exactly, exactly. The worst incident was uh, going to see Star Trek Five. Which is the <laughs> that's the terrible one where they argue with a fucking planet at the end of it or whatever and mm. Spock's brother or something. It, it's a notoriously bad one. It's it's where there's a campfire and they sing row 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 your boat at the beginning and end of the movie. Like they thought they'd bookend that with a campfire sing along. Yeah, and I and through some miracle, these people that I've been trying to get to go see like aliens and go see the sweet shit, they're like, all right, we'll go see a movie with you. So I get a, a carload of people. These dudes get in my car to go see Star Trek Five of all things, <laughs> and uh, of course it's terrible. And they're like, "You watch this shit?" I'm like, oh yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, you know, it's it's a movie, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and um, on the way home, I had a uh, I had an unpaid parking ticket, so there was a war a bench warrant out for my uh, the license plates of my car, and uh, I got pulled over. And the cop, uh, the cop had those guys drive my car, and I had to go and wait for my brother to give them money to pay the the bench warrant to get me out. And it wasn't really jail; it was you know some sort of drunk tank. Mm. But the uh, so the the only movie experience I had in high school was essentially riding the back of a cop car with uh, with my friends driving my car and flipping me off. <laughs> what in my? And like making making these motions like they're handcuffed all the, in the yeah. in my fucking piece of shit Mustang and uh, it, it just turned into this this joke where this is what happens if you go with Dave to see a movie and so nobody will nobody would go see anything I mean it was it couldn't have went worse if it, it was, just would have it's it, it, I just like the idea that if they actually did put you in real jail and you were sitting <laughs> next to somebody who was like well what did you do and he's like. Fucking, Star Trek Five. A, a fucking, it's like I fucking raped a bitch. What about you? It's like uh, I went to go see Star Trek Five. <laughs> had, a, had a bench warrant. Oh, a warrant for your arrest. What were you doing? Parking too much. <laughs> I just, I just park real hard. I park with zero respect Dude, for authority. I park. 
I will park at the drop of a fucking hat, dude. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> so yeah, so that was uh, all the these guys I hung around with mostly. Um, they wouldn't go to another movie with me. Yeah. So uh, back to the Shape of Water. So you, you would give it. You would you would say that it was not terrible because the more I think about it, the more I I actually dislike it. I I walked away from the movie with an uneasy feeling that it wasn't that good. And as I've replayed the stuff in my head, I've gotten madder and madder that that was actually made into a movie because it really is. It really is all based around the set piece of of, of banging a fish man. That's yeah. that's pretty much it. There's no real. The, okay, so the beginning I thought was really well done, and I thought that the characters were set up pretty well, and I thought that Michael Shannon was great. But I just think that it was all that was all part of the wrong movie. Yeah, it. Um... A friend of mine was talking about it, and he uh, he made a really good point, which makes me forgive it a little bit. And I think what you got a case of here is uh, Del Toro is so big now that he can make what he wants, and it it's a, it's a deeply deeply flawed movie. But as my friend Mark said, you can't say he didn't make the movie he wanted to make. And if we give these guys total license to do whatever they want. You're going to get like the shape of water where some chick fucks the fish and and, uh, you know, you learn life lessons. And it looks like it looks suspiciously like it's just an amalgam of everything he likes, you know, creature from the Black Lagoon. He seems equally inspired by his Hellboy movies. That clearly is like a Hellboy knockoff, like a weird origin story of the Hellboy guy right down to his egg obsession. So oh, you're, I forgot that they both like eggs. So maybe it's almost like um, it's when Stephen King got huge and his books got about 500 pages longer and he no longer had any. He was surrounded by yes men, which is probably bad, but also he got to he got to do whatever he wanted. And that kind of means no revision. Mm-hmm. And if that, that's a movie that would really it probably would have been a much more interesting movie if it went through another round of somebody trying to stop it from happening. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that, I think that it was trying to be so many things at once that it, right. it didn't have the running time for it because the Mike, <clears throat> the Michael Shannon subplot alone, I thought was probably the most interesting and fleshed out aspect of the entire movie, even though it had a very unsatisfying conclusion, which is saying that's saying something right there because he had no arc. I mean, he's evil right out of the gate. Yeah. And, and he's always chewing shit. I fucking hate that. I oh, the, fucking the, hate it when people the, chew the, shit in movies. Can't. And clearly that was supposed to indicate, you know, evil, the, the clicking mouth noises in his candy speech. Oh man. I just can't, I just can't stand it. And the problem, the, the main problem I think is with the protagonist and I've, I dinged people when I edit their stuff for this, but she is pretty much a protagonist who is the direct result of everybody around her. She's not really ever her own person. And I would, you know, if somebody were to say, well, she masturbates, it's like that's <laughs> – she has a libido and that's cool. I feel like that that's something that's probably lacking from a lot of female characters in mainstream kind of weird fantasy sci-fi movies. But the problem is, is that who is she? She's somebody who hangs out with her weird gay neighbor – She's somebody who listens to her friend at work talk about her husband. She's somebody, you know, she, and then all of a sudden she becomes like the fuck toy of a fish and she's still not exactly her doing something. She's not, the only proactive thing she does is, is spring him from the joint and that's just so that she can bang him in her tub. And it's, it it, it just doesn't amount to anything. And also the, the masturbation stuff, it, it felt like another movie because it occurred to me later like that happens in the opening credits she's masturbating in the tub and you know obviously i'm not a fucking prude but it felt unearned like you didn't earn that yet because that was a shortcut to characterization for her like you it was supposed to give her this agency and and make her uh, a character like an adult real character it's the same it's the same and thing it in a, it's the same thing in like a crooked cop movie where at the beginning you'll see him like getting head from a hooker or something you know and that's supposed to indicate oh he's a he's a dangerous like snorting a line of cocaine and getting domed up by a stripper <laughs> right. or something and they're like well this is a crazy guy it's that it's that shorthand kind of stuff no yeah pun, it, no it pun was intended it, <laughs> it was <laughs> but it was shorthand to say like she's 
get ready for an for an adult version of a fairy tale right Mm -hmm. but we didn't we didn't fucking get it dude like it was false it was false advertising for one thing and also as you pointed out she was nothing she was a cipher she was a dead space in that movie that's a good word for it yeah and that's just how i felt like and i thought that the actress who portrayed her was really really great and there were some funny moments and there were some moments of personality and, you know, and she didn't like, but, you know, she was just reacting. She was friendly to her friends and she didn't like the bad guy and she loved the fish. And it just didn't ever seem like there was an independent thought that came out of her, even to the yeah. point where she like didn't even speak. You know, she didn't. She really in this movie, I feel like of all the ideas they could have piled together the in this case. And I don't mean to be offensive, but I feel like the character probably should have spoken. Well, I thought it was heading towards that. I mean, he he heals people. Why heal someone's hair loss if you're not going to heal her voice, right? Right. And for a minute, they tease you with that. She sings or whatever. But then that's, that's pawned off as a dream sequence. So what is his healing ability for if it's not to – and it wasn't – uh, this isn't ableist to say because she wasn't born that way. She was, they talk about some, something horrible that happened to her where her throat was cut or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was a healing thing that you totally thought was coming. And how does that not happen? Like how did, and there was weird edits. Like you were pointing out that they did, the movie didn't have enough room to breathe. I guarantee there must be a five hour cut of that because her friend, the the woman she's cleaning floors with, mm-hmm. did you know, did you notice that she, they call her over to help the creature in the tub and she checks the scales. And she's like, doesn't look good. We're going to have to do something. That's the first time she's seen it. And yeah. the movie does, the movie doesn't even remember that the movie right. is like move. Cause the movie's got to move along, you know, mm-hmm. and she can't, she can't have the big moment where the music swells and she, we see it through her eyes because it fucked up. Right. So that means that that scene must be somewhere. It right. certainly wasn't there. And even, and even before that, Wait, she, she doesn't see it. She, they, they don't both see it in that one scene. They don't. No, they see it. They see a hand. They oh. see a fucking hand. Unless I, I could be remembering wrong, but she's. They both see a hand, and then that woman's not involved in her, like playing music and cleaning up that room anymore. For some reason, the main character is left alone like a hundred times. Exactly, and even if, even if she did see it before. It really does sound strange that a person, even with a, like you and I have been friends for a really long time, but if you're like, hey, dude, um, I know we work <laughs> in this top secret military facility, but I actually really love this fish and I want you to help me spring it from the clink. Right. I'd be like, you, you, know, you, know, you know, I love you, man, but. <laughs> well, to be fair, she can't talk. So what I would do is I would I would roll a mysterious package in front of you in the parking garage, and then I would earnestly look at you, and, and like look down at the package, and look at you, and look down at the package, and of course, of course, you would say, "Oh, we're springing the mysterious creature from that room <laughs> where you were a, a like a, a what was it six months ago?" Yeah, yeah. I will help you. I will risk my life and help you. That's yeah. what you would do. I would assume. No. Yeah. No. Totally. 100% not I guess <laughs> and, and it's it's it is one of those things where you're uh whenever I watch films like this I do think okay how are we going to get from point a to point b and you're watching act one and my thoughts are okay they've set up a real challenge here they're this is going to be tough like this is a military base and they're maids and you right. know and they, they have and cattle they just, prods and guns and shit and they literally and they, dismi- they dismiss it they're like they, there's there's a whole bank of cameras, but none of them pointing at the most important asset, as they describe it, in the building. Right. So, so that she can chill out and bring a giant Fisher Price record player in there and spin some tunes. You right. Know? Exactly. She, it's just how is she then, getting it, away with it. And you know, and also, I, I guess it's also I have to point out the fact that when I do like a movie, these things never bother me uh, because you know I liked Alien Covenant, for example, which is just full of plot holes. But um, <clears throat> when I like the movie, I give it a lot more leeway. But this one just didn't. It didn't. Yeah. I think. It, like, I think. I, I think I was upset because I don't mind plot holes if you're entertaining me. But this one had plot holes, and it just never fucking amounted. Well, I to think shit. The, Yeah, I think the plot holes are indicative of how we feel about it being so rushed forward that it yeah. it, it dashed towards its conclusion, and nothing felt. The big moments didn't feel earned to me. It was all – there was not a moment that surprised me. And 
I would probably forgive uh, uh, predictability if if it really went into the realm of her fucking that lizard. Because yeah. if you think about it, how how tame was that really? Yeah, you know, because we're because we were looking at it when we knew something was going to happen. We're looking at it, and Amy says to me. Um, I don't think he, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a dick, and so, so we're looking at uh, you can't not ta- not look at the crotch on that thing, and it's just a you know it's a green Ken doll, mm-hmm. and the whole time like you're saying you're trying to solve it when you, when a movie presents a challenge you're like how are they going to get out of this one, so the whole the whole time I'm thinking how are they going to get out of this they're going to have <laughs> like they've they've never shown a penis on this thing and she's going to fuck it, uh, how are they going to do that they're going to have to. And so my in my mind I thought they're going to show it pissing because they sh- they show the bad guy pissing with his hands on his hips. Oh yeah. And I thought that's got to be a setup. There's a scene somewhere I'm convinced on the cutting room floor is a scene of that lizard pissing next to him or something. Right. Because that would make sense. Then you would know that it has that it's a that it's a man that it's a that it's something that can be you know Fuck. that it, that can they can copulate together. Yeah. And. Uh, so when it finally just kind of chickens out and they do this hand motion of they kind of do shadow animals where I guess we're supposed to interpret that as a sheath opens up and this green dick drops out. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? That is definitely an 11th hour solution to a problem with that fucking script. Oh, you totally. Know what I mean? And it, you know what they honestly should have done? And it would have made the movie – I would have forgiven it of everything if we actually saw like a behind – the back shot of the thing of it just standing there and just like it's got its legs spread and just a big old hog flops out and you see it just dangle i would have i would have fucking cheered like it was the end of rudy or something seriously yeah and i mean his entire body is covered in barbs and so you know it's got to have some sort of barbed umbrella like horror on the end of that fucking thing like I, I was expecting something similar like maybe the little legs kind of spread and it drops down and it uses as a record needle to play the song <laughs> <laughs> but all of those things i thought were coming because it when you open a move like that when you say you're going to have this sexually charged taboo busting kind of deal and then you back up and do a Disney musical like you've something's gone terribly wrong. Yeah, I think that that's Guillermo's tone and it works in certain movies. I, I watched Crimson Peak recently and I thought that that was actually a perfectly fine movie. I thought it kind yeah, of earned it's, its sort of whimsical gothic tone. I, I, yeah, I was disappointed with that. But now I've rethought it because and now I think I would rather watch that again. Yeah, because it went yeah, it was more successful at what it was doing. And it and it has that fairy tale thing too. You're right. You're right. But I think that Guillermo is uh he's intensely visual. He's almost one of these people who I would really love to see have a a counterpart, you know? Some kind of person to keep him in some kind of check because you'll notice when he's working with other people's properties, the movies are always pretty awesome. Hellboy, Blade, um, I guess Pan's Labyrinth was his own thing. Pan's Labyrinth was pretty great and The Devil's Backbone. But recently, mm-hmm. I feel like he's told The Devil's Backbone twice because he did it with that movie and also with Pan's Labyrinth. And he doesn't, I don't know if he really has more stories to tell. He just has more ideas of, of like of visual things. Because this Shape of Water is basically a movie about ideas. You know, what if there was a a fish man uh, who had powers and he fell in love with a woman. And what if there was the military guy who took care of him, lost his finger, and we watched that degenerate? That would be pretty gross to watch over the course of the movie. And what, you know, it's it's all these what ifs, you know? Uh, well, I think the, I think you might be giving him a little too much credit. I think he, uh, I think the ideas are what's missing and it's, it's more like he has the vision. That's what like I mean. It, he has, he has like the, it looks, it looks beautiful, but what you just described I've seen a hundred times. You know what I mean. When, when but, you when you when you go to I don't did you ever go to the exhibit of all of his uh, the stuff from his movies and his artwork and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean I didn't go to it, but I looked at it. When you, and, when um, you look at his journals, he's so meticulous with the visuals. But I feel like that's that's where he he should be an art director or something. Yeah, like that, that's where know? that's where he shines, dude. I mean he he has the skeeviest quote that you'll cringe as soon as you hear it. Did you hear what this where he said? I try to tell a story with 
not eye candy, but eye protein. <laughs> nice, bro. <laughs> and never mind what that conjures up. I'm not going to the movies, man. I'm going to the eye gym for some eye gains. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Mr. Eye Protein knows knows where his strengths lie, and it's not it's not necessarily in the in the realm of of storytelling. He tells big big fables, you know, and fables have broad strokes, and they they're not. Um, to tell a fable about the fish guy, I hate to say it, but it with all the all the graphic stuff like feels like an uneasy marriage to that movie. If he was to go further with that, that's where you bring in a writer who says, "Oh, let's look at the implications here. You've opened the door to some interesting shit." Yeah. But he but he doesn't want those implications. He just in his mind is it's it's naughty enough to have him fuck, right? Right. But but no, we got. Where's the person to explore that? You know what I mean. Where's the person to, to take it into that, into the realm of like a, a dark woman loves monster movie. And what in like where? What are the goals? You know, you just mentioned a woman loves monster movie. If you want to really explore the perversion that would lead a human being to want to have sex with a fish man, right? Then that then that is actually fucking cool. I'm one hundred percent on board with that. But you'd it, have the, to get to know her. You'd have to get to know you'd her. You'd have to get did. to know her. And but nothing comes of like that's one of the major problems I had with the movie as I was watching it is that I didn't. You don't want to know the end, but you want to have kind of an idea what the characters even fucking want. Like, what would she want? What would the what would their future look like together? You know, and I guess it looks like, you know, under the sea, you know, making out or it's because it's not even really an ending. It's just they just kind of it's a shortcut. Who knows what happens? I would love the actual movie is 20 years later. What's their relationship like? (laughs) You know, he comes home. He's like, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know you want eggs. Yeah. (laughs) He's got a gut, you know, he's not ripped anymore. To, how how lame was it to make him a god at the end where he's not even a like to to keep him as an animal is why it's taboo crushing right, right. to have him, her fucking animal is that's interesting to have her fuck a god to, and to have him be able to heal with his touch fuck that yeah that felt like something they came up with at the last minute yeah because even michael shannon seems a little uneasy delivering that line because he kind of mumbles it he's like you are a god holy shit and, holy then, like, shit. and then like rips his throat out and, right, and you're just kind of like, okay, he's dead, whatever. But he was the most interesting part of the whole movie. So when he dies, you're just kind of like, all right, well. But he but, got shortchanged a bit. I'm I'm gonna save my observation about Michael Shannon to a segment at the end of our show that I, th- I was thinking up, but right before you called, I wanted I want to use I want to use our last moments on the show to audition to be a script doctor for movies, all right? Because every time I watch a movie, there's something where I think I can fix it. So maybe we'll call it like uh, Monday morning quarterbacking or uh, uh, much script doctoring much too late. A a script doctor, uh, what do you, if somebody's dead on the table? Oh, DOA? DOA script doctor, something like that. I mean, it's not... (laughs) It's not all set in stone. I mean, people get to, that's the great part about episode one. They get to hear yeah. us make it up as we go. Yeah. But I have I have an observation about Michael Shannon I will share with you at the end of the episode for our script doctor segment where I audition where you can please, please send me money to fix your movies before they come out. Because <laughs> something about Michael Shannon that could be fixed to make that movie just that, that little bit better where I wouldn't. Where I would just unabashedly say, I'm into that movie, and you would maybe give it a pass. I don't know if it would cross that hurdle where it sounds like you hated it a lot more than I did, but it would I definitely feel like it, I, Well, I, honestly, man, I just I feel like the hate just kind of grew over time. And I didn't, I didn't read any reviews of it because I'm actually kind of over reading movie reviews, which is ironic considering we're starting a movie podcast. But I, I, <laughs> I, most, I mostly think movie reviews are kind of garbage since uh, – Roger Ebert died. Like he was the last yeah. interesting. Actually, uh, Vince, Paul, Man- Paul Vince Mancini at uh, Film Drunk does really good reviews. Yeah, I would say Paulina Kale was the last of the of the greats. Uh, I love all her reviews, and um, she would she would have um, she would have taken it to task. I think. I mean, that's yeah, a- no, totally. Well, and I mean, and I think I guess I just said all that to say that it wasn't it wasn't the opinion of the internet that swayed me or it getting nominated for an Oscar. Or the fact that you know it's mostly positive. I just I just kept thinking about it, you know, 
And some people <clears throat> right. are, some people will say, "Oh, well, you kept thinking about it. It must have been must have been pretty uh, effective." And it no, that not well, maybe. I mean, okay, sure. You know, maybe it is better that I hated it rather than I felt completely indifferent towards it, but I just the more and more I thought about it, I just hated it more and more and more. Well, that that brings me to a to another thing that I was going to ask you about this like uh the the crop of best picture nominations um as always there's some glaring <laughs> mistakes in it right for sure so does but the shape of water if you put it next to some of these other nominees it i think it might barely cross that finish line of it feels like a movie maybe not an oscar movie but at this point i'll take it if it feels like a movie to me did you think the shape of water knowing how bad oscar nominations are um, could you see it? Could you even picture it getting best picture? I th- well, I think the biggest problem is didn't they, they upped the nominees. Didn't it used to be five or six and now it's 12 or some shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all any movie anyone talked about apparently. Yeah. So, I mean, the answer is no. Um, but I, it might look like one, I, I guess mm, mm. It, it, it looks like an expensive film. Is that safe to say? I guess what I'm getting at, I mean, I'm kind of stacking the deck for an argument I'm going to make here in a second, which is that <laughs> half, half those movies don't look like movies. What What even, and we can do our next episode, we can we can actually just like, we can kind of look more in depth at those, but I, I'm not even, what is it? Is it, it's like Dunkirk and Phantom Thread and Shape of Water. Yeah, a Phantom Thread. Um, I'll wait until you've seen it to talk at length about it, but I'll say this, that, when we went to that movie second, we went almost immediately. It turns out I did I knew nothing about it. Um, well, I knew that it was it was about a like a, a fussy dressmaker, yeah. but I know that P.T. Anderson's amazing, so I knew I was in good hands. But um, I will say that at the beginning of that movie, he sizes her up for a dress, his uh, his hopeful uh, new girlfriend, and that moment is so interesting that it is it is. And more interesting than the entirety of Shape of Water, yeah. as far as as far as the complexity of motivations and even within the scene, people changing their minds about things. You never see that kind of shit in these in these very superficial movies. And it just reminded me of how that, limited. No, that's Shape that's of Water that, was. that's a, that's a huge thing. I think that characters changing their minds is huge. And if you look at something like Shape of Water, every single character except for the neighbor has a, an extremely straightforward uh, uh, right. goal and they yeah. go towards it without ever changing. Michael right. Shannon always wants to abuse and kill the monster for some reason. The yeah. woman is always in love with it. Uh, the neighbor kind doesn't really want to help her. And then really like the, the their, their scene, she just like makes some signs at him and he goes, okay, I guess <laughs> I'll do it. There's no real inter-character conflict. It's 100% bad guys versus good guys. It's the most. Uh, I, I think. I think when you say that the script probably needed two or three more passes, that's that's really where it could have been improved. I think. And that, yeah, and that would have added that struggle. Luckily, at the end of the show, I, I'll let the uh, listeners know how that script can be fixed. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess but no, no. I guess no. The answer is that no. I don't. I don't see it as a as an okay. Oscar film. But I mean, what about this? Is the this is the loaded fucking question? What about Get Out? Does that look like an Oscar movie Hell to you? Hell no. God no. That is not it's a great movie, but that is not an Oscar movie. Right? Yeah, what that's a it's the best episode of Black Mirror ever made. Right. That's, it's, that's what and, it and it's also the blackest episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> exactly. So well, that's I, that's what that's what my very loaded statement was saying. I just didn't have <laughs> I didn't have the balls to say it, you know. But well, yeah, it doesn't look like a fucking movie. It it looks like uh, it looks like a made for TV kind of deal and it's amazing. And it's great that he got it done with what he had, but to pretend like that is cinema is insanity. Right. And, you know, and we're kind of like, we're, we're, we're dipping into like slightly pretentious waters here, but I just want everybody listening to know that a lot of this podcast <laughs> is going to be devoted to, uh, as the title might, you know, the, the titular almost good films that we're actually super fans of, which I don't think all, uh, like Shape of uh, Water is. I don't think it's almost good. I think it's bad. I would um, call it up. I want to st- 
Almost good. I'm going to almost good that one. But okay. go ahead. Okay. So so <laughs> before so before we get into that, you know, we're not saying, you know, cinema is this high art and Oscars should be, you know, reserved for but at the same time, I mean, Get Out is an incredibly functional, tight uh horror thriller that is it's just it's not it doesn't do anything artistically that puts it in the category that should that have should have it be recognized for excellence right. in the same way that a lot of marvel marvel movies are extremely capable exactly. Exactly. Uh, extremely capable funny fun entertaining violent but there nobody would call thor ragnarok a, a best picture nominee right right and, and there's and, also as tightly plotted as get out is i would just like to say that there is something at the end that could help it and I'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. <laughs> the Dave's got a fix for it all, folks. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, another example of that is: Did you watch Mudbound on on Netflix? It's the first Netflix movie to get nominated for Best Picture. No, no, not, I, I sure didn't. My, my bad. Not mess. Not Best Picture. Even more bafflingly, Best Cinematography. Oh, so, okay. So, like, you you might even make the case for Get Out. To I could see somebody tie themselves in rhetorical knots trying to do it for that being best picture. But I don't know if you could ever get away with saying it's best cinematography, right? I would say maybe best supporting actress for Catherine Keener, right? Is yeah. Well, I thought what's her name from Girls? I hated her in Girls, but she was pretty good in this. Yeah. The, let's collect them all. Yeah. <laughs> right. Was, right. Right. She was fuck. She was fucking crazy. The uh, but no Mudbound is a very Netflix-looking movie that has moments of scope, and, and it does have some exteriors that are pretty cool. But like I was saying to somebody else, um, moments that look like the rooftop in the room. So mm-hmm. how do you... We're just going to pretend that that cinematography is amazing when it's not, when it's right. a digital... They actually tr- interviewed the cinematographer uh, because it's the first woman cinematographer nominated or some such shit. And... I felt I, this is me projecting probably, but I felt like she was kind of trolling with her answer mm-hmm. when they asked, you know, how did you get this amazing imagery? And she said, essentially, there's this button that you hit on the digital camera <laughs> that, that gives it that gives it the mud gloss, <laughs> you know, that gives it the that gives it the 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 cinema. Sheet. Oh, shit. So are, it's weird now in the age of Instagram <laughs> movies, dude. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. She Instagrammed the shit out of that fucking movie and they, and it worked. And so, you know, I'm not going to fault her for, you know, take that hustle all the way to the fucking Oscar gold. But if the the world out there to be championing that for its look is now you're, now you're just talking like, now you're just saying like uh, square is round and black is white. Like you, Mm -hmm. you're not even making any sense. You could maybe make a case that get out is, has got has the chirotic moment right it's it's got that it's got some subject matter that resonates and best pictures tend to do that but i i don't think anybody can make a case for the look of those movies do not look like movies mm-hmm. there's there's some there a third thing there's something else and uh but you know i guess other- i i mean i think it's cool that it was maybe nominated but it just <sighs> Actually, I don't know if it's cool that it was nominated because it's just so clearly not an Oscar movie. And a lot, to be fair, a lot of Oscar movies that have won Best Picture were not fucking Oscar movies. Exactly. So, exactly. I mean, the whole the whole enterprise is completely specious and it feels weird to even be saying like... But if we're talking about Oscar as this kind of uh, idea of, 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 you know, innovation and, and value and, you know, fucking... Art, artistic integrity, not artistic integrity, but uh, uh, artistic innovation. Well, I guess it has that too. I don't know, man. All I'm trying to say is that it's a great movie, but I mean, my favorite movies of the year are not Oscar movies. So right, exactly, and that and that could that could easily be one of the favorites because, like Dunkirk, for example, filmed in there's moments of 70 millimeter pristine looking aerial shots never before covered it looks every inch an oscar movie i don't i'd rather watch get out any yeah. time of any yeah. day of the week and rather than uh, tom hardy be like <laughs> exactly so even though i mean so my arg- or my question is kind of meaningless because yes dunkirk looks more like an oscar movie but do we watch those 
do we care if they can make if you can get the combination of the two then you've got lightning in a bottle but that doesn't happen all that often i feel like it might have happened with i tanya um but see there you go now that's that's something that's something that i I feel like could have and i feel like movies that okay so we can we can actually play this game then movies that won best picture that actually were the best picture Oh well, I'm all I do is concentrate on bitterness. So I just I, I just like that list of ones that got robbed. You know, this, <laughs> the good fellas. That's the only, and that's the only thing. Yeah, that's, that's the only thing I've I've you know solidified. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I Tanya though, you know, it's this shows how willing I am to settle because um, what's what was nominated for best picture is the is the Fargo knockoff, the poor man's Fargo. Well, maybe not Fargo, but definitely Poor Man's Coen Brothers, which is the three billboards. Oh yeah, three three billboards outside of Ebbing. Though that movie is every bit a Coen Brothers kind of deal. Not even what's the name of the, the playwright who wrote it? Uh, Martin McDonough. Yeah, it feels less like one of his movies than him going full Coen on us. And not that that's bad. That's actually great. But it's not. It doesn't have what makes him unique. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, so it's it's just middle of the road enough that people hooked onto it. Whereas I Tanya, that's the B Squad Scorsese. So I kind of if you were to put if you're gonna had a, the choice, you get B Squad Scorsese or you get the B Squad Cohen Brothers, you're gonna go with the B Squad Scorsese, right? Sure. Like like I Tanya is full of the the that <clears throat> visual virtuosity. It doesn't have the that small town you know. Ho, um, the the fucking rube violence of a Coen Brothers like in Ebbing, uh, Missouri, but I Tanya's got that that criminals fucking up to the big sounds of of uh, of music and stylish mm-hmm. shots and then then like the Pesci like narration talking directly to you and the I mean it's totally a fucking Scorsese ripoff, but it fucking works. I mean Boogie Nights yeah. was a Scorsese. Boogie Nights, Scorsese ripoff, but a masterpiece, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like uh, I, I still need to see those movies, but um, I'm really, I'm more I, the the film that I'm the most compelled to see is Three Billboards, I guess, because I've just heard such mixed reactions to it. And most well, maybe, of the reactions I'll, I'll that wait. I've seen, most of the reactions I've seen about it have been like negative reactions. Have been like, oh, it was racist. I have a lot of thoughts. None of my thoughts will go down that road, but I have a lot of thoughts on that movie. I'll save them for our three billboards podcast because it probably will be no surprise to you. There was an incident when I went to see three billboards (laughs) um, and my sister and my mom. Oh, no, I'm sorry. My mom was there. So this involves involves my mom. I'm going to save that story because it's just as infuriating as the other story. That's perfect. Um, Let's move on. Let's move to our, our first our first almost good seg- segment, which oh. is Dave's DOA <laughs> script doctoring. Yes, finally. And, and we can start with The Shape of Water. Dave, how would you fix The Shape of Water? That's a good question, Dave, and I'm, I'm glad you asked me that. <laughs> uh, I've given this a bit of thought, and um, you might remember in The Shape of Water, uh, our, our hero had um, two of his fingers were falling off through the whole movie, right? Right. That's a that's a great shortcut to characterization. He's he's literally rotting in front of us, right? He's people are the the best line in the movie is where somebody says to him, "Can you smell that?" His fucking fingers, his fingers are rotting on his hand. Which what what does that represent to you? It represents like the rotting of his character, the rotting of his soul, right? So why 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 did they not have him start off as a relatively good man? And when that shit starts to happen to his fingers, then he crosses that line. He starts off, the first time we see him, he's got a bloody baton in his hand. He's already beaten the shit out of the lizard. What if he's he's got that that rot that's exteriorized? We get to watch him rot visually in front of us. So if that gives him the arc, that gives him that, that gives us a struggle. Like you, you're drawn to him. You just, you admitted that he was your most interesting character. For sure. Imagine, imagine if we saw him with it's some sort of reason for being a sadist. Like I never understood why he had to beat it anyway. Why was he beating the shit out of it? Right. So, so it made no sense whatsoever. So if, it, if, if it biting his fingers off was the catalyst for him being like, fuck this thing. Yes. That would yes. make a lot more sense. And you know what? Yes. I'll, I'll add on to that. Um, 
what if you had Richard Jenkins' character uh, after being, you know, fired from his his uh, artist job and rejected by the the pie diner? What if what if he also turned a little bad, right? Like, what if he kind of got in the way yes. of of the mute girl's progression? You know, like Dude, what if, what if I, he I was it. like, I love what it. You're talking like, about he can't be happy, so nobody can be happy. Dude, you're talking about people changing in a movie, and I love it. I love it. I love that shit. And that's the thing about that movie is. It, it was like he already started it. Uh, he was already fucking evil. And so when that rot happened, I kept thinking my whole the whole time they were showing it. I'm like, those fucking fingers are coming off and it's going to be great. But it could have been amazing. Right. It could like that would have been the last bit of humanity of him coming off. Oh, and if you had him and Richard Jenkins both going bad, you could have like upped the feminist quotient of the movie by 100 percent because the men turn bad because they've been hurt. You know, and women, I, I, women who are hurt have have like the power of love to fuck fish and stuff. I, f- I feel you a little bit. I feel like if we're in the if we're in the uh, operating room right now and I'm doing the script doctrine, I just asked you for like a suture and you gave me a fucking chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not totally sold on your rewrite, yeah. but I but it, our hearts are in the right place. Right. We're right. trying to give it we're giving it that fucking struggle. Right. It's like it's like because fucking, the, because the animal the animal should really the animal should have personality, but the animal should not really be a character. You know, like the animal is the Ark of the Covenant in this movie, right? It's 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 the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. It doesn't have to be well developed, right? It's 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 just it's the yeah. thing that it's the cipher. The animal should be the cipher, not the mute woman. Yeah, it, and I just I wanted to I wanted to follow his path and just see him. I wanted to see him corrupted, and I think a visual representation of his corruption, which it sounds like those fingers may have been in some early version of the script, who knows? Because mm-hmm. they they certainly were supposed to represent this guy's evil, but why can't it represent this guy's going bad? Because that's way better. And it's like, do you remember Dogma? Yeah. Dogma was a deeply flawed movie, but a lot of fun, right? Mm-hmm. At the time, um, at the time, I thought it was an incredible opening as far as the total reversal of the two angels, uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, you know, mm-hmm. they're punching, they're punching bags now, but imagine how that movie started where one of them, uh, Matt Damon goes in with a fucking, uh, desert Eagle or something and kills all these corporate guys. He's real sadistic. He's the angel of death or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, okay, that's established. And the other guy, the other angel, Ben Affleck is the reasonable one. Like, man, do you gotta be so dramatic? You gotta kill everybody. And then Ben Affleck gets a taste of betrayal, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I'm gonna fucking destroy this planet." And the other one, the the angel of death's like, "Whoa, you need a hug." And he's like, <laughs> to down. Yeah. And I I remember thinking at the time, that is great. You know, that's some good writing. You you've swapped them, and I now I'm totally on board with what both of them are doing. It's something that I come across in a lot of the editing that I do, where when people are writing bad guys, they have to be really, really bad. And I know when somebody's trying to make somebody really bad because I'll have they'll have them say the n word really fast in in the script. So it's yeah. like, so it's like oh, oh he's he's definitely bad. Um, but like you could have taken Michael Shannon's character and even like his family life, you could have just had him being nice to his kids. You know, mm-hmm. maybe having sex with his wife, but maybe it's just like boring sex where he's not like covering up her mouth with you know whatever. Maybe he just like doesn't fuck good or something you know and that could be a root of his insecurities also i think think that they just could have shown any logical reason for why he was doing what he was doing he they hint at it like don't you feel like there's a hundred pages somewhere that has him capturing it in the amazon yeah like like to save the life of his cancer-ridden family member because he hears it can heal people like 100 percent more interesting 100 percent. why didn't they give him that background Dude, exactly. that would have been fantastic. That's why I'm and like, here, dude. And like, That's if, why I'm here. And if and if it turned out, it's like you know, okay, we, the only way that this is going to happen is if we extract X amount of whatever from the thing, and it's going to kill it. And he's like, well, you know, price you pay. It's a price. price God, that would have been fucking a hundred times better. You're really good at this, actually. I'm, I'm, I can script doctor this shit, dude. Give me another one. Give me another one. <laughs> what was the other one we were talking? Was it Get Out that we were talking about? I can or? do Get Out. We can. I can do whatever you want. Let's right. do Get Out. Script get out. This one. Get out. <laughs> this is, I'm gonna script doctor Get Out. This one's a little more ridiculous, and it's gonna it's gonna feel like a fucking bottle rocket after the last one. But okay, the end of Get Out. You've got people having their their surgery right. They're doing the. They've revealed. 
they've revealed the surgery in the basement. They've got the the top of the skull has been removed from Milton from office space, right? Uh, yeah. They're getting ready to put his uh, brain in the other guy and vice versa. Shit goes wrong. People are killed. People are dead. All this would have brought down the house because what the movie was lacking was a couple a couple jokes. You're dealing with Jordan Peele, right? Where's the jokes? You cut back to fucking Milton sitting there, top of his heads off. He opens up his eyes and he's like, "What happened to everybody? Any anyone, <laughs> dude? I they can't. The, not all the script doctrine can be gold, but that one." <laughs> But that's a big laugh. That's a big laugh. Like they cut back. And like to the him. very, you mean it? Like the yes, very end the of the movie. Very end. It could even be mid credits. It could be like anybody. <laughs> that's fucking funny, dude. Because what is he gonna do? That sucks. The top of his head's off. He's no doctor. But you know you're what? Not, but, not, but I am. But I am a doctor, dude. Oh shit, we do. We have. Oh. We have. We have David James Keaton, MD, in the house. What the fuck? 